Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, when planning for retirement, it seems everybody has advice for you, from your coworkers to family members you haven't seen in ages, saying they're only trying to help, right? Well, the question is, are they really helping you? And on today's show, we're going to highlight several bogus pieces of advice that you should really avoid. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, Kevin is a fiduciary, an investment advisor representative, 30 years helping folks get to and through retirement. Uh, he is a fiduciary, as I guess I mentioned that already. But that's an important thing to mention, Kevin. Hi, how are you? It is. We're doing great, Steve. Yes, it is an important thing. And yeah. uh, 30 years, it makes it seem like a long time now. Well, it does. Um, I, You know, I sometimes I'll just, I just say it's like a good long while. So it doesn't seem so. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. I'll remember the, um, so, you know, bogus advice. Yeah, that's it. Because I'm telling you, you know, people mean well, I think, but boy, yes. some of the stuff that comes out of their mouth, you just look at them in disbelief as what, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> That's that that that's it exactly, and, and and you know I run into it all. I run into it all the time. Actually, I had a meeting recently with a uh, with a client, and one of uh, uh, one of his friends was there, and a friend was saying, you know, uh, the client happened to have a lot of positions in tech stocks and a lot of high, fl- high a lot of those high flying tech stocks, you know, that uh, really don't have a multiple because they don't have earnings yet. And, You're right. And trading at really high valuations, and I was meeting with him in December. Uh, and I was saying, I think you should, you know, make some changes, get get some other exposure to other areas of the market. Um, and and she re- she told she says, well, why should he change everything? Why not? If it's working, if it's working, why mess with it, right? If it's working, why mess with it? Keep it the same. And um, and I said that doesn't really work in the stock market, especially when you're you know you have concentration in one area. I said it's going to come in and out of favor. Nothing nothing grows nothing grows to the moon. And uh, nonetheless. Um, it, it's a situation where that was bogus advice because by taking that advice and holding on, he's lost, I don't know, at least 20% of his money. So 
I think it's important that, you know, to recognize, you know, your friends and family most likely has the best of intentions. All right. But it, but it doesn't mean that it's good advice and it doesn't, and it certainly doesn't mean you should follow it. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and so I think it's important to, to, to recognize that and uh, to, to separate from the good and the bad and, and um, you know, take a look at their background. Maybe if they had a background of, of, of expertise in the area you're talking to them about. Meaning like you. Per- <laughs> That's right. Somebody <laughs> like me or, you know, or another financial advisor, but this person had no background in finance, none at all. And, and, and I get it. A lot of us, you know, the internet makes us all think, you know, a lot of folks think that we're a lot smarter than we are because you can Google anything and get an answer pretty fast, you know, but, but just like we're not all doctors, right. Trying to figure out what you should do with a disease or a pandemic situation, you know, we well, need it's to Dr. Google to that, that you, you nailed it. There you go. Dr. <laughs> Google. Exactly. And, um, you, you know, so I, I can't help but think about all the anti-vax podcasters and radio hosts that are, that are now gone because they were too stupid to recognize the wisdom of science. So nonetheless, I get off track a little bit. Uh, I think it's important when you're taking advice that you get it from people that have expertise in the field, whatever field that might be, but they should have a background in education and experience, you know, in my mind, before you contemplate taking their advice. And, And one thing that people have said for quite a while now is that you can just live in your social security. You don't really need to save any money. You're going to get social security. It's going to give you a raise every year. And if you, uh, you know, and if you live modestly, then you should be perfectly fine on Social Security. And I don't know, want to be most, eating cat food. <laughs> now, you, you know, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, we, we all have that image, right, of the the, the the retired person living in a very stark, uh, you know, empty apartment, exactly. you know, living on sharing food with their cat. Um, you, you know, and it is possible. It is possible. I can't deny that that somebody could live uh, on Social Security as their sole source of income and do everything they want to do. But I don't think that's going to be a really lavish lifestyle. And, and I can't imagine that you're going to have very many vacations. You're not going to be able to go out very often for, you know, go out to dinner, go out to lunch. Uh, you're going to have to cook all your own meals. And, and, and then some people would say, if it's not cat food, then you're probably lucky. All right. I think that it's important to remember that, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, typically social security can replace maybe half, maybe 60% of, of, of provide 60% of the income that you need, but you're going to need other sources of income because as we've all seen lately, prices are going up all over the place. Right. And if if all you're living on is a fixed income, even if it does go up three or four percent, you know, depending on what you're what you're buying and what you spend your money on, uh, you've probably your standard of living and your buying power has probably declined because of the inflation that we're seeing. And, you know, just in gas prices and food prices, it's uh, we've seen a lot of inflation recently. And to me, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to have extra capital set aside, extra money in the bank or in brokerage accounts or invested. The point is you've got extra assets, extra resources you can tap into, right? To offset, uh, you know, the things that social security is not giving, you know, not providing enough that you can't pay for it with just your social security. And so I think it's important, you know, that, um, that we set aside these other buckets of money so that you can live off those in addition to social security. Sure. Well, and then what about the folks that say, well, you know, claim social security the moment you can, because it's not going to be here beyond that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, I've been hearing this. I started in 1990. uh, So this is officially 32 years in the business for me. And I think probably every year I've been in the business, somebody has told me, you know, that they thought social security was going to run out of money and, and that's their justification for claiming it early. Uh, and I and I will tell you I don't believe I don't believe it for a minute I really don't I can't imagine that they're going to eliminate a program or or seriously impact a program that tens of millions of seniors rely on I mean the fact is Social Security 
and Medicare are two of the most successful programs in this country's history. And, and pretty, yeah, I'd, I'd say at least 90% of people over 65 rely on both of them. And every conversation that I've had with anybody about Medicare is, is mo- most people I talk to love it, you know, because as one, as one case in point, the, the Medicare program is far cheaper than, than if you had to go out into the marketplace and buy insurance. Um, and social security, you know, has uh, enough money to last at its, at, and the basis that it's on right now for roughly another 10 years, they always change it a little bit and it does fluctuate somewhat with the economy. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be broken 10 years, guys. What it means is that there will be some adjustments needed, maybe reductions in people's benefits, or, or what I think is most likely is reduction in future, uh, you know, claimees benefits. In other words, I think it's very, very unlikely that the government is ever going to cut the benefit check for somebody that's already getting their check. I just can't see them doing that. I, that would be political suicide. And, and you know, every single politician, the, the, the one thing that they want is to get reelected. Well, right. right. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. No. I mean, they are not going to mess with Social Security. No, they're not going to they're not going to they're not going to mess with it because there are too, far too many people that that are collecting Social Security that are very active, you know, in voting. And they know that it will cost them a lot of votes if they do anything to, to harm Social Security or to reduce the benefits. And I just can't see them doing that. Uh, I, I believe at some point they're going to have the courage and they're going to have the backbone to actually make some changes to the program. But it doesn't have to be benefit cuts. You know, what I think they ought to do is eliminate the income cap for the payroll tax, you know, which around 150, 160 grand, somewhere in there, um, you stop paying into the program. You keep paying into Medicare, but you stop contributing to Social Security. And, and I think that's ridiculous. I think that should have been changed a long time ago. Uh, so all these folks that are making anywhere over, you know, 200 grand and above, which are quite a few now, all right? They really they're are, not yeah. con- They really are. They're, they're, they're not contributing, you know, to the Social Security program. That's one way to bring in a lot more revenue from people that have sufficient income that they can afford to do it. Um, obviously, there's going to be pushback on any idea you try to, you, you try to put through. Uh, but I think that's an obvious one. Eliminate the income cap on the contributions to Social Security. Uh, and, and then I think the other one that's obvious is increase the tax a little bit. It doesn't have to be a significant amount. It could be a, you know, a tenth of a point or something. But if you increase the payroll tax, uh, that obviously is going, to shore up, is going to shore up the system. And the other thing they could do is you could start to, you, you could start to put uh, limits on the amount of benefits that people that have really high incomes are receiving. Now, obviously, the rich, wealthy people are going to, are going to be upset. But, it, but I don't know where else we could get the money if it's not from the wealthiest people we have, right? They're, right. they're the ones that have the money. And, and I'm going to say the reason, one of the reasons, one of the reasons they've become wealthy and successful is because they've been fortunate enough to live in this wonderful country where they've been able to accumulate their wealth. So I think uh, paying back a little bit in the system is, is uh, the right thing to do. Well, and again, I think that, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, that, I mean, like uh, like increasing the tax, that's going to impact us, but so minimally. And I think even like you just said, I mean, basically go to means testing. I mean, that's what they do with Medicare. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, there should be a means test, you know, for higher income folks, right? And and I think that, I mean, you've got Bill, right? Warren Buffett gets a social security check, right? Sure he does. And, and, and now on the one hand, you say, well, he contributed to the system. He should get a check. And I agree that there, there seems to be like a moral responsibility there. But on the other hand, I say, really, we've got people living homeless on the street and we're sending social security checks to billionaires. 
it, it, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there should be a better, there should be a better solution than, than we currently have. The other thing that they could do is you could put in a graduate, a graduate, you know, like with the income tax, you pay a higher tax for the higher income amount, right? Sure. Well, how about you, how about you pay a higher payroll tax for higher income people? All right. right? I'm for, I'll do it. That's okay. You know, maybe income over a hundred thousand, instead of eliminating it right in the mid one hundreds, it goes up, right? Increase the payroll tax. So as you're making over 200 grand, you pay a little more into the system. Over 300 and 400, you're making over a million, you pay far more into the system than the person making 75 grand. You know, to me, that would be an equitable system and you'd be, you'd be taking it from the resources that we have, the folks that can afford to pay it. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that, that's one of the answers. But I think also another answer is to lower and, and don't shoot the messenger here, um, but would be to lower the rate of increase, okay? Because when I, when I look at the fact that Social Security goes up 8%, almost 8% for every year you wait, I say, my God, there is nothing else on the planet that's even guaranteed to grow half that rate. Nothing. Nothing, at least not in the United States. There's yes. nothing, nothing I'm aware of that's guaranteed that you can even get 4%, right? The highest five-year rate that I can find is 3%. And a guaranteed, now I'm talking guaranteed basis, just like the increase in Social Security is guaranteed. So to me... That's something else that should be adjusted, again, not for people close to retirement, but maybe for people that have at least 10 years, you know, maybe people that are below the age of 40 or something or below 45, right? Those are the folks that we can make the adjustments for, that they have plenty of time to plan and to readjust their plans, their financial plans, so that they can, that they can make it work, right? So maybe we reduce the rate of growth of the benefit, maybe put it in line with the economy, make it a 3% or a 4% increase instead of an 8% increase. And and that would have incredible, incre that would have incredible uh, impact on the longevity of the program. Well, again, you look at your you look at your own page on Social Security, and and they lay it out pretty easily. You know, sixty two. Here's what you get if you wait till your full retirement age. Here's what you get. And if you wait till seventy, here's what you get. And the the numbers. Yes. I mean, it's a it's a huge swing there. It's an enormous swing, and I think so many people are making a mistake when they claim it's sixty-two because you know they've got people telling them, "Oh, you better claim now because it's just, because you know it's going to run out of money and you might not get any money back." And and that that is that is, that is that is a uh, that is a false paranoia, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I would agree. Well, you, I think you know, too I, that that you know when you when you talk about that, it I don't even think that that you know the politicians, all right, the 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 Congress would even you know cut the, uh, cut the amount of the check. It doesn't seem that that would be, that that's not going to fly. No, no, no. I don't I think mean, it I even think... says that on the sheet that they might do that, but it doesn't oh, seem. Oh, it does. Yeah. Well, they have to put that out there for, you know, just in, just in case it comes yeah. to that. Um, you know, it's like all the disclosures you have on so many things these days. Um, you, you know, but I don't see, I just can't see that. That would be politically. That would be the end for oh. any, for the politicians that sign off on that. That's Absolutely. the end. Well, Kevin, and, it and, seems like uh, we're solving some problems here. Let's pass these things along. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Well, that's, where's the bat phone? We can, we can tell them what they need to do. You know? And I, I, I tell you what, the changes don't have to include benefit cuts, right? Not, not in terms of cutting a current recipient's check. It doesn't have to be, go that far. Just the changes that we talked about so far will, have future, you know, that will make the impact that we need. They just got to start doing something. Right, they've got to put something in place so that we can see. Hey, in in ten years, it's we've got these things coming that is going to extend the life of the program. Because right now there is about a twenty five percent shortfall, according to the estimates I've seen most recently. There's about a twenty five percent shortfall, meaning in in ten years the program is going to be spending about twenty five percent more than it has you know the resources to do so. 
And, and so uh, there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of demographic reasons, you know, when the program first started, there were what, six, seven, eight contributors, you know, for every one person collecting social security. And now it might be maybe three or four, um, you know, and I'm not sure the exact numbers. The point is there's not as much money coming into the program and people are living so much longer, right? When they put this program together, your life expectancy was you were supposed to die a year before you're eligible to collect it. Exactly. I think the life expectancy in, in what, between 1935 and 40 was about 62 and you didn't get mm-hmm. Social Security until 65. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like they didn't expect they didn't expect you. They didn't expect <laughs> us, the people at the time to even live to collect it. Right. And, you know, and and so the world has changed in, in uh, many, many, many ways. Right. And, and the programs, like a lot of the laws on the books, like a lot, you know, just have not kept, kept up with progress and they haven't kept up with the current state of affairs. And I think that, you know, there are changes that can be made, but, but guys, I really don't think you should claim early. I think at least hang on to your full retirement age, which for most people is in the 66 to 67 range. Um, and if you can at least hang on to the full retirement age, you won't have a cut in the amount of your paycheck. Because if you take it, I, I mean your Social Security your check is what I'm referring to. If you take it as 62 versus 66 or 67, the reduction is somewhere something like 25 or 30 percent, and it, it's it's a significant cut. And and remember, you know that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime. So my intention is to is to wait as long as I can. I'm going to try to wait until I'm 70 uh, because that will give me that much higher. They'll give me 25 percent more roughly than I would have gotten at my at my full retirement age. And and remember that if you're married, you know, the higher wage earner, uh, that's the person that should, in my view, wait the longest, because that's going to become the survivor check when when the first person of that couple passes away. All right. And you're not going to get both checks, guys. I, I've met a lot of folks that when they're budgeting and planning, their planning is though both, both of their social security checks are going to come in forever. And, and that's not the case. When the first person passes away, the survivor is going to have the, you know, is going to have the option to step up to the bigger of the two checks, but they're not going to get both. So now we come back to what we started off earlier when they say you can live on Social Security alone. Okay, the question is, can you live on just the bigger of the two Social Security checks you have coming in? That's really what you you should focus on, in my view, because that's likely to be the situation you're in, let's say, you know, should you live into your 80s. Sure. All right. I mean, again, you make sense when you when you say that. If, folks, if you want to sit down with Kevin and, and have a conversation like that, it's 800-975-6717. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. I encourage you to visit that website, uh, silverleaffinancial.com. You can reach out to Kevin right there. So, I mean, again, that, you know, Social Security, that's a discussion that that I think people are so it's it's a so misunderstood and and it, it is. I mean, I've learned so much in terms of, you know, over the last five years that I've been doing these shows. I mean, it's it's, and then you talk to people. They again, they they, they don't have a clue. People don't have no, a clue. No, a lot a lot of folks don't, and I think that's why they 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 make these mistakes because they don't have a clue, and they hear a friend or a family member say something to them, and the person says it like with some authority in their voice, and they then they think they know what they're talking about, so they take the advice, and it turns out to be bad advice. So you, you really need to, to do yourself a favor and sit down with somebody that can go through the numbers with you, that can make the calculations, that can put together a plan so you have something in black and white that you can see, you know, because a lot of times it makes a difference when you have some thought in your mind versus actually putting it down on paper and seeing it in, black, in print. Yeah, it, it, it makes a difference. It does make a difference. And, and 
unfortunately, the majority of people haven't taken the time to go through and put pen to paper or, you know, put the printer to paper. And, and I think everybody should do that. At least have something, something that can give you, even if it's a rough sketch, it's better than nothing. And you can start with a rough sketch and when the, then you can refine it over time. And, and if you want to sit down with me, I'm happy to go through that with you. What I like to do is start off, you know, we look at all your assets. We look at all your liabilities. I call that your personal balance sheet. And then we look at all of your income sources and all of your expenses. And I, and, and I call that an income statement. And then we put together an income plan. So we've got a plan that shows how much money you're going to have coming in, you know, each year you're in retirement and where it's going to come from. And if you if you're in a situation you don't that you you can't live off Social Security like we talked about, that's when we have to position other assets so that you can receive income from them. Ideally, it would be guaranteed because that to me takes away the stress about about, you know, the income that you have coming in and the anxiety. I mean, can you imagine if you're living off of money in the stock market and you see it going down five, six hundred points a day? I, I would think that'd be, you know, I think that'd be a horrible feeling. Oh, I can't imagine. That'd be awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that's another myth out there that a lot of people have heard going back 30 years now is that uh, you can have a, you know, the typical portfolio stocks and bonds uh, of, you know, typically it was 60, 40. So it could be 60% stocks and 40 bonds or 50, 50, or, or the other way around. It all depends on somebody's risk tolerance, their objectives, things like that. But that's the typical portfolio is 60, 40. And back in the early 90s or late 80s, some economists came up with this with the, with this strategy of how you could withdraw 4% from the portfolio every year. Uh, and the idea is that you wouldn't deplete it to the point that you know you don't have the income coming in. And it was considered a safe withdrawal rate. Uh, however, guys, interest rates, think about interest rates on those bonds that you had in their portfolio when this was created. Interest rates were five, six, seven percent, maybe even higher. And right now we're we're at two. All right. Depending on where you look at the 10 year treasury just got back to 2%. It hasn't been here in about two and a half years. It was below 2%. So if you've got half your portfolio in bonds and now they're making 2% versus, you know, the five or 6% they were making when that, you know, when that rule came out about the withdrawal of 4%, that tells me that you need to lower that withdrawal rate. I think, uh, I think a safe withdrawal rate these days is more like 3% than four. And so, that's a 25% reduction in income, right? From yeah, four to three? Sure. 25% reduction. And what does that mean? It means you need to have 25% more assets uh, or 30% more assets than you would have using that old formula. It means you've got to put away more money. We've all got to save more money than we thought we needed. And with inflation kicking away the, you know, going the way that it is, you know, it, it and, and I see all these salaries of these people that are, you know, I look at athletes, salary 30 million a year, 40 million a year, 50 million a year. And I'm like, how in the world is anybody going to keep up with that when you've got all these really rich people buying up everything, increasing the prices of everything? Um, I, I think inflation is 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 going to make a big difference, make a big dent in a lot of people's retirement plans. If they were, if you're cutting it too close, guys, inflation could really knock you off. It could really derail your plan. And so we need you need to sit down, take a look at it, make sure you got the assets in place, and make sure you're well positioned uh, that you can retire comfortably without having to worry about you know day-to-day or month-to-month fluctuations in the markets. You talk about inflation, Kevin. I mean, I think people, If I mean, it hasn't been a factor. I mean, it's been a factor, but it's been a minor factor for the last 10 years, maybe a little more. Yes. yes. And so if, you know, if you were 
you know, 45 years old and now you're 55. You, you haven't had to deal with inflation. And at 55, no. you're looking for retirement. Uh, okay, I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah. What yeah. should we do? What can we do? I mean, that, and again, I'm guessing those are the kinds of questions you get. No question. Yes, for, for, for sure. Didn't, no, no pun intended there. But yes, those are the questions. And, and I think it's shocking. I think, I think a lot of people have been shocked in the last several months or last year at the rate of inflation. Um, you, you know, just think about the gas pump, right? I mean, oh man, it's over four bucks last time. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if you look at the total, you know, my wife drives an SUV. I don't usually fill it up with gas, but I did recently. And it was like almost 80 bucks to fill, fill this thing up with gas. Exactly. I'm like, holy cow, that is far more than I thought it was going to be. And, and, and then you look at, you know, like I'll go on, uh, I think about taking, I like thinking about vacations and where I want to travel. And I look at, you know, like Airbnb and some of the other rental sites. And, and homes that I was looking at that might have been 200 bucks a night when I was looking at it six months ago, now they're $400 a night. Oh, I know. The, the exact same place, guys. I'm not talking about a different property. I'm talking about the exact same property. And, and obviously, there's, there are other factors coming into play with COVID and a lot of people working remotely. You know, that was actually good for a lot of these you know, Airbnb uh, company, or folks that use the, the service because a lot of people then, you know, you didn't have, they didn't have to stay in San Francisco to work at the tech company. They could, you know go over to, you know, go to Idaho or Montana or something. And, and so I think that caused a lot of inflation in a lot of areas, but, but think about that. Think about the added cost of a rental car. Think about flights, you know, like I booked a flight for my wife the other day, uh, going back to Illinois where we came from about 10 years ago. And, uh, the flight this time last year, I think was maybe, maybe two fifty, roughly, mm -hmm. uh, same airline, same flight, same airports. Everything was the same, except now it's over 400 bucks. Wow. And, so a 60% increase in one year. All right. And then I say, holy, I, I mean, <laughs> I say, yeah, I know what you were going to say. It's all right. Right. <laughs> I, I, I say, I say, wait a second, Steve, if rates keep, if prices keep going up like this, am I ever going to be able to retire? Am I ever going to be able to take another vacation? And, and how much is it going to, does, am, am I going to be living in a world where only the richest celebrities and pro athletes can afford to travel? You know, and I'm, and I just, well, you know, that would just my, stink. It would stink, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's yeah, that's one way to put it, right? Putting it mildly, it would really stink. And and but I can't I, I you know, and it's funny because I I like you mentioned a second ago, we haven't really seen had a had a big bout of inflation for a long, long time. And and just like we haven't really had any volatility in the markets for a while, you know, but now all of a sudden we're seeing inflation, we're seeing volatility, and and I think it's wake making a lot of people sit back and wake up and say, Holy cow. Maybe I don't have enough money put away for retirement. Maybe I need to keep working another couple of years. And guys, that's what I'm going to suggest you do. If you're, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough that you like your job, you don't have to love it. Just like it. And, and you're in good health. Then I would say try to keep on working. Try to keep on putting away more money, saving more money. Uh, and later on in life, if you find out you've just got too much, there's all sorts of charities that you could give it to. And I'm sure there's all sorts of family members that would take it from you too. Of course. So. You know, I don't think the problem is going to be having too much money. I think it's going to be not having enough. And, and so I think it's important that you go through the numbers and we run stress tests. Okay. Have you guys heard about stress tests for your portfolio? Because that is something we can do. We can run it through different scenarios. Say, what if we have another world war? What if, what if, what if there's, you know, what if there's another depression? What if interest rates, you know, double or triple? What if inflation keeps going higher? All right. Those are the things that can really make a make a nasty, nasty difference uh, in your plans, because like like when we go through, we have to make assumptions, you know, about life expectancy, 
about the interest rate, about the growth amount, you know, how much growth are we going to see on the portfolio? If you put in 7% versus five, it's an enormous difference over time. With inflation, if you put in 4% versus two, it's an enormous impact on that portfolio and on the projections. And so it's really important that you aren't, you know, uh, that you're not underestimating the rate of inflation and that you're not underestimating your life expectancy and, the, and that you're not overestimating how much growth you're going to see on the money because those are critical, critical mistakes. And, and it's very, very important that we get it right, right? Because the last thing I ever want to see is that somebody that's, you know, you're 83 years old and you're running out of money before you're running out of retirement. Oof. I just think, I think that would be a horrible situation. Absolutely. And that's one we want to avoid. And again, you know, folks, just reach out to Kevin. He'd love to hear from you. 800-975-6717. 800-975-6717. Speaking of shipping companies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Zim. This yeah, is, we were just on that a, topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, before we run out of time, I wanted to touch yes. on that. I know you did too. And I, yes. I mean, and I was just looking at the uh, at the chart. So basically, so you're we're, we're talking about your peer growth fund, uh, and I'll yes. give you a, a second to sort of give the high level view of what that is. But just for for fun, I mean, if if you've listened to this podcast at all, um, so back in October it was forty three dollars and eighty six cents. Hmm. And today, seventy three thirty five. Yes, and and I believe it was Woo. the show on. I think the show on January seventh, just over a month ago, where I talked about it on the show and uh, you know told everybody that I like it, that I bought, you know, that I like it at fifty six. Yeah, it was at fifty six on January seventh. I just looked at it. Yes, and and so if you look at it, it's I don't know what that is twenty four twenty five percent. It's it, it's made a great move in a lousy market. Right? <laughs> yes. And, and, and guys, what, what this is, is what Steve's referring to. I started, uh, uh, we, we call it a pure, the pure growth fund. This is a portfolio that I manage that I started managing for clients uh, uh, um, not, about a year and a half ago, July of 20. And, and it's, based on, it's based on research that I, that I obtained through, through you know, uh, looking at guys like Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch with the Fidelity Magellan Fund, William O'Neill that started uh, Investors Business Daily. All of these guys use what are called rules-based you know, they, they invest based on rules that they predetermined uh, that have led to successful outcomes in terms of the stock appreciation, right? So they've got a set of parameters that they plug into the computer and we screen all the stocks that are out there. We look for companies that meet these criteria, okay? And, and then you get a list of companies that meet that criteria. And what I'm doing is simply copying these guys. Uh, this research goes back uh, showing 25% annual returns going back something like 30 years. And so I took that research, I took it live, uh, and, and Zim is one of the stocks uh, that have come, come out as a result of this. Uh, and that's, you know, it, it, it's a shipping company, a cargo, you know, the cargo containers, if you will. And, and it's been a beautiful performer. It's one of those that came through the system. And I'll tell you what, it still looks to me like a buy. And in fact, I've added to my position. I own it personally as well. Uh, and I've added to it as it's gone higher. Um, and, and if you look at the valuation on it, I think the PE, the price earnings ratio is like three. Okay. And to give you an idea, the market is trading at like 20 times earnings. So this is at like three. Now these companies in this area of the market, they, they, they won't ever trade at 20 times earnings in my opinion. Um, but it's about half of the valuation that, that I think is a fair valuation, but it's also got a very, very high dividend. Okay. Now it is a variable dividend. It's not the same. All the, it's, it fluctuates. Um, but the financials and, and the numbers on this company look very, very nice to me. Uh, and my point is, 
that if you look at what the market's done, the NASDAQ is down 10, 11% now for the year. Uh, the S&P is down roughly six, six and a half percent for the year. And um, if you find the right companies, you know, even in a lousy market, they can still perform well, right? Like, like a lot of you guys might know, the energy sector has, has been the top performing sector for this year. And it was also, it was also the top sector last year. And, and uh, as oil prices have gone higher, which is, you know, we're all seeing it at the gas pump, you know, what's happening is that, uh, you know, the theory that we're switching everything to green and all going to be driving electric cars, you know, three months from now, you know, it's, it's going to take a long time to make this transition. But, what, but while there's been a lot less, per, you know, there's less production, uh, the demand is still very strong. And, and, and it's, it's the movement to the green energy that has actually caused oil to be so attractive. And, and there's a lot of analysts still saying it's going to go higher. A lot of I've seen several projections calling for oil to go over $100 a barrel. I've seen some saying 120 So now I have no idea if that's going to happen or not happen. Um, but I also mentioned uh, a week or two weeks ago, I, I mentioned British Petroleum, the symbols BP. I was buying that um, between 30, around 31 and a half, 31 and three quarters or so. And, and this is a stock that's got like almost a 4% dividend, okay, and very good fundamentals. They just had a fantastic quarter. So that's one I like in that space as well. And, and guys, I think there's a lot of plays out there that you can make money on, uh, even in a lousy market. You've just got to have the research. You've got to put the time in and find them. To me, this is a stock picker's market, and, and Zim is an example of that. Okay. And again, those, and this is something that, that, I mean, this, your pure growth fund is not for everyone, certainly, but if no, no. someone wants to put a portion of that in there, I mean, you could just have the conversation with them. And I know you've got some clients that have, uh, you know, that are taking advantage of this. I mean, and this has yes. got to be really, for lack of a better word, it's got to be fun for you to be able to do this. It is. It's, it's certainly, it, it's certainly a ton of fun when they're working. No other question about it. Um, and it is fun. And last year we had a 35 for calendar year, 2021, we had a 35%, just over 35% net return. So we did beat the market by several percentage points. Um, however, it is a concentrated portfolio. It typically only holds between five and 10 stocks, and it's all stocks. There's no bonds. There's nothing in there that's, that I don't try to hedge anything. And so what can happen is we, you know, we could easily drop 10%, just like we can make 10%. And so the volatility does work in both directions. What I try to do as manager of it is to limit the losses. And if we can limit the losses to being small losses, and then we let our winners grow, that's the strategy that that got us a 35% return last year. And so the reason I'm doing it is really to show that I've got a successful method of choosing a stock, and that I can and, and that I can execute very, you know good timing in terms of when to buy and when to sell. But the fact of the matter is, I am not right all the time. My win rate is about 65%. Uh, so I'm wrong about one time out of three. And um, but again. By keeping the losses at a minimum, that's that's how we're, we're seeing success in that portfolio. And so I do have some clients that you know they they they've this is ideal for like a Roth IRA, right? Because this is a shorter term trading account. So if you have it in a regular account, the taxes are gonna are, are gonna you know take an, have an impact because these holds are typically two, three, four months. Um, I haven't held held anything for more than a year, which is what you need to do to qualify for long term capital gains rates. So. It's best in a retirement account for a small piece of money for for the person that is willing to take that risk. But it's really about showing I can I can identify a stock and I can uh, execute good timing on it. And then what we do is we add those to the portfolio for anybody that's interested in doing that. I say it's a good way to add some you know turbocharge your account. Let's add some horse, horsepower, if you will, 
And so we'll take 10 or 15% of an account uh, and we'll use that to buy the individual stocks. And, you know, so for instance, on a million dollar account, if you take 15% of it, you're essentially putting 1% into each stock. Okay. And so in other words, million dollar portfolio, 1% is 10 grand. So I put $10,000 into 15 different stocks on a portfolio where 85% of it is conservative. Um, and, and that that's, it's been working out, it's been working out pretty well. And I'm happy to share it with anybody that might be interested. Fair enough. 800-975-6717. That's the number that can get you started or just visit silverleaffinancial.com. You can connect to Kevin there as well. So with a, uh, with a market uh, on a roller coaster ride again, or still, um, and we've got inflation with big numbers. What, uh, what do you leave us with for the week, Kevin? You, you know what I want to, I want to leave you guys with is that, you know, one of the myths out there is that you should not own stocks as a retiree. And, and I don't think that's correct. I think, I think if you're comfortable with the volatility, like we've talked about, I think owning stocks in retirement is something that you should consider because over time, those, those tend, to, tend to perform well and they can be very good. They can outperform inflation over time. Short term, we're going to see the volatility, but long term should perform very well. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, members FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again. That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.